Hi, and welcome back to the Adaptits podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about bespoke content in Adapt. Um, we've invited on Ben Sharp, who is from Block Digital, to kind of give his opinions on bespoke content in Adapt and give us some thoughts. So, hi, Ben. Hey, Simon. Hey, Chuck. Hi, Ben. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, Ben, uh, tell us a bit about what Block Digital and a block block is like a larger company, right? Uh, made up of different arms. So kind of tell us a bit about your company, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So block digital um, is the best easiest way of describing as a digital visualization company. And that can mean a lot of things. Um, one of which is, you know, production of digital learning solutions um, and, and not just limited to adapt. So we do, we do a much bigger offering, like you mentioned, Simon, through, you know, through to creative work, such as brand development, um, all the way through to architectural visualization. Um, but, but, you know, today uh, talking about ADAPT is specifically around digital visualization for digital learning solutions, really. Your company mostly partners with like multinational corporations. You're quite right. Our majority of client base are large blue chip companies, predominantly engineering companies, really. Um, that's, that's kind of our area of specialism. We, we do offer a couple of, a couple of, um, solutions you know off the shelf solutions products but the majority of our work is as you mentioned tailored projects for clients going into adapt i guess adapt is a big tool that you use to help create these solutions um do you want to talk about blocks relationship with adapt like how long have you been using it for uh what kind of projects do you do with it i guess yeah of course yeah adapt's been around for a while now and um, I, I, I jumped on the adapt train, if you like, uh, before I was at Block, but I know Block have been using it since really early on, um, all the way back down. We were looking, we were upgrading some projects before that were in very old version of the framework up to the latest version. Uh, that's probably how long we've been going for. Um, but it's a great tool. Um, one of the main pulls for us is around the sort of licensing or the open source it being open source, um, we are we the solutions we produce are generally um, you know a cost in time that somebody pays us to produce a solution. There you go, use it. We don't have seat licensing, we don't have ongoing annual costs, etc. So the way Adapt is set up, that works great for us. Um, and then you know Adapt is so customizable, you can build in, you can tailor components, extensions, themes um very specific to a client's requirements or while reusing certain elements it's fantastic I, I mean our two main mainstays are reusability and avoiding license ongoing costs so it fits that brilliantly great and you've definitely kind of covered a lot of the things i want to dissect here so let's kind of like let's start with kind of new functionality in adapt like uh imagine a client Gives, I don't know what the process is, but imagine they it's like a RFP or something like that, and they have a certain idea of what they want to be able to do in their learning or an outcome they want for their learners. Uh, as the provider, the supplier for that learning, like how do you convert that requirement into a concrete understanding? Like you know, how do you visualize that and make it work in Adapt? Like how do you convert that requirement into like a plugin or a component or something that you add into adapt if that makes sense yes it does yeah so 
we follow a, a, a standard process um, for each project, but various parts of that process are, you know, used as required. Sometimes clients will come with a very definite idea of what they want. They'll almost have tried to produce it in PowerPoint. You know, you know how it is. They, they come in, they've got the pictures, they've got the text, they grab some videos. Um, and then dependent on what we're doing and what who the client is, very often it's more of a production task. They've done the legwork. They've worked out what content needs to be in based around their training needs analysis or something similar. You know, and they're just asking us to, to do the development work and provide them with the end solution. Um, so that, that sort of element's like almost like a ready set up project for us. And all we have to do is give them a cost really in effect. But as you mentioned, there are other projects where they will come to us and they are looking for more of a, uh, for us to generate ideas about solving a, a need. Our UX designers have gone through a whole setup here uh, using some mock-up screens, some flows, some user experience, or user paths, that sort of thing. We get all that uh, designed, agreed, and set up before we're doing that. But the good thing is, is our designers now also understand ADAPT capabilities, you know, and they understand what, if you like, the standard components or extensions are that can be used. They understand where the limitations, I say limitations, I guess there is no limitations with ADAPT. It's how much time you're willing to put in to make it work, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, they understand what they can do quickly, uh, what the developers can kind of put into place straight away, um, and what might take more effort, you know, customization work in that end. Uh, the production bit generally is quick, unless we're doing some really heavy um custom extensions or components so the if we get the design right the production normally is just a matter of fact of running through you know the steps of producing it getting it checked over and then implementing it and we just hand them over at the end so most of our clients have their own learning management systems or ways of distributing content so we would just package it up as a scorm zip or, or equivalent and there you go um so let's move on to theming in adapt so you said that the whole team at Block is quite well accustomed with how to create an adapt course now. Uh, can you walk through the process of like, say a big multinational approach to you and you wanted to kind of win business with them? How would you convince them that they can, you, you can create like on brand content for them in adapt? Like, would you create a prototype and adapt using their brand colors and their brand design? Initially, so as part of the first job, we, we tried to educate them on, on adapt just from a high level because the theming element is a, is a big thing really that they need to understand is that you've almost got an initial commitment or an outlay to get that theme developed um, because it's not, you know, their brand colors aren't there ready, as you mentioned. So depending on the level that they want to go to depends on what we do. So if they uh, are looking for some quite detailed theming beyond colors, font, you know, the general elements, then we will use Adobe XD to mock something up. It's quicker for us to do that than it is to go in and do some heavy theme yeah. work. Um, our UI designers, can they've got a, a pre-made sort of adapt uh, wireframe and they can go in and just colorize it. They can add in logos, fonts, even specific icon sets if we're, we're going to that level. Um, throw in some dummy content, some you know statics, etc. It's great. The client can then see a good a good impression of what how their brand will reflect in any any adapt theme that we create for them. 
and and we'd go through the same thing um, of a sign-off process, really. We'd go around the loop a few times, tweak anything they're not sure about until they're happy, and then that would get passed across to the development team to just create the theme. And, uh, you know, Adobe XD is great because it has a, a development pass-through that you can pass over, and it gives them all the details they need to create that theme. If it's a simpler one, we would just... Yeah, as you mentioned, probably do the prototype mock-up straight in. I think we have in the past. I'm just trying to think back to a few quicker ones where they were much uh, more uh, focused pieces of learning, probably a few videos, maybe some PDFs, links out, text introducing or linking the subject. We would do that. We did do that straight in in Adapt. You know, we did a theme mock-up, threw in some – it's just faster. It, It really is. There's no point going to XD unless you go past a certain level. Yeah, Ben, um, can I ask you a couple of questions? Maybe you want to share some of the practical tips that you have for managing custom plugins, some of the work that you're doing, um, the plugins that you folks have developed, uh, I'm imagining are not readily uh, out in a demo out in the public. I'm wondering if you have some type of a system uh, internally that you make these working models available to your designers so that they know what's available, uh, and maybe even uh, how you how you manage them in, in version control. How do you keep track of these things? Yeah, sure. So you're quite right. We do have a number of um, plugins that we've developed internally. Sometimes they are existing plugins that we've taken and expanded uh, the functionality of. Uh, sometimes they're ones we've written from scratch uh, just to meet a requirement. Um, and I do know that the, uh, the the team, I guess everything's shifting quite a lot. The team's quite keen to uh, feed back into the ADAPT project in some way. Uh, and I'm sure down the line we'll, we'll be able to do that. We're still, I still class this as quite uh, early on in our ADAPT journey. Um, we're, we're learning every day, every project that we do, uh, we're learning lots more. But in terms of plugin management, extension management, we just operate the same um, as probably most uh, digital companies in that we use GitLab, you know, Git to version control. Um, like when you do have a, a, a bespoke requirement, like do you sometimes go to the open source community? Like would your first reaction be, go to GitHub and look and see if anything exists in the open source community where, I, I don't know if you asked this before, where like 90% of the functionality may be available and you can just basically inherit it rather than having to write it from scratch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. So yeah, searching the, the plugin browser or similar GitHub, looking what's been done before. Sometimes, uh, as you mentioned, you find something that's a close match. Sometimes you find something that's a close match but hasn't maybe been worked on for a couple of years. But it gives you a bit of a leg up. It gives you a head start on what you want to do. Often it can speed up, um, you know, the developer just just getting in on it, cuts down a bit of time. They might not take any of the code. They might just look at it to get an understanding and then off they go, which is great. Um, and, and of course, the community as a whole, we, uh, our developers, um, it, it varies depending on how much of that work we've got flowing through the company at any time. You know, it fluctuates. Um, but our developers become involved in the uh, in the various communities, the various ways of accessing or speaking to members of the project team, the adapt team, um, just for advice and help, really. Um, so, with the clients, like you said, some of them know adapt and they kind of understand what it is. Like, and because it's open source, it's obviously very easy to you don't have to worry about giving them a license. You don't have to worry about them 
if they want to maintain it, they don't have to purchase a license themselves for them to do that. They can just like, you can provide them with an offering tool login or something similar like that. Is that like a really big value proposition for clients? And is that something that is something that, uh, uh, you know, makes them want to use adapt more and, are you like training them in how to use adapt or is it just something that they kind of work out themselves? Yes. So it is a big, it is a big selling point. Um, we've worked with clients in the past um, who've had e-learning developed in proprietary systems that they then don't have licenses for. So they could, and they can't edit it and it could be something as simple as sometimes, you know, learning materials can contain videos of specific people, figureheads in a business given a message about what the learning's about. You know, a couple of years later, they move on. You just want to swap the video out. You find you can't because you can't access, you know, you don't have access to the right tools to change that. It's a big barrier, you know, and then they go and they actually look and they think, oh my word, look at the cost I've got to pay just for one seat of this to go and change this this course. So Adapt is a great offering in that sense in that um, when we hand over, if you like, the deliverable, so let's call it, let's say we hand over a, a scorn zip that's just going, to, just going to literally upload to their LMS. We also pass over the, the source project as well. So in theory, they have everything they need to um, update in future. Some of our clients even mandate that adapts must be used. So they have framework versions that must be used. They're, they're using authoring tools. And so we work in certain versions so they can import it into their authoring tools. They have local, inst- uh, say local, they've set up their own internal authoring tool. Uh, they might be using a cloud subscription authoring tool um it's great it's great in that sense there's one or two clients that get a little bit hesitant because as soon as you mention open source um some larger clients their it security teams can go into open source is bad open source is dangerous you know um i think sometimes it has bad connotations in that sense but particularly unfounded um and yeah it's but but on the whole it is a, a, a major selling point the fact that you can work in this in this framework without needing to go and pay for expensive seat licensing or all around yeah absolutely and being able to like as well as being able to offer the framework i'm sure you could like spin up an offering tool very easily in the cloud and then they would be able to edit that we find most clients um as soon as you mention html css etc they just start to go oh (laughs) we don't have developers or we don't have that skill level um which is where the authoring tool works great. And if they get that set up, and as you mentioned, we've, we've done a variety of things. Um, we have a, a few, a handful of hosted authoring tool instances that people use. The majority of times we tend to provide some support to a client for them to set their own up, um, mainly around it's IT restrictions in larger companies that, that mean they would rather house it internally. And then of course they can set their own backup schedules it's all good stuff, you know, for, for us, um, that's great. We, we'll we'll help where we're required in that instance. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Simon, what, what tends to happen then is, is is what we're seeing is less initial content creation and more content maintenance. So often clients will come to us and say, can you help us set the tool up? Can you do these 12 courses or 12 inst- whatever content's required? Can you give us a little bit of training on how to use the authoring tool? And then they'll go away and they can maintain it for the next 12, 24, 36 months by just swapping videos out or updating links, changing titles, et cetera, as they go along. And that's that's probably 95% of our clients, um, how they like to work. 
is they will use the authoring tool as a maintenance rather than a content creation. We do have a handful of clients that are you know really up there and want to have a good go at it. They'll even have a go at making their own plugins um, or changing plugins or extensions that we've done and have a, have a tweak at it. But on the whole, it, it does seem that the majority of our clients certainly um, don't have large internal development teams or people with that specific skill set to a level that allows them to do you know really heavy coding to create new components they perhaps don't even have the skill set to create new courses even though it's not that tricky in the authoring tool they feel much more confident double clicking a course finding the screen that they want to update and making that change let's move on to some of the potential challenges of that the hardest bit for us is is obviously maintaining uh, sort of bringing things up to date so it's that it's almost that gap i mentioned before where we produce a solution and then it's it's out there for such a time that when it comes back to us, you know, is it worth us spending time working on an old framework? It actually, should we not do that? Should we try and bring it up to a new framework? And if we are bringing it up to a new framework version, um, what's the method for that? Is it going to be easy to just rebuild it in a new framework rather than bring an old framework up? I think the upgrade process is one of our, uh, yeah, it's one of our biggest things with it. We've learned a lot as we've done more and more projects. Um, we don't always get it right in, in terms of our choice, which way we're doing that. Um, but because there's nothing closed, restrictive about Adapt, you can always delve right in and understand what the changes are. You know, they're there on the release page on, on GitHub. Is there anything you're looking forward to in future versions of Adapt, like any new functionality? Um, you know, we talked about the 1.0 release and the ideas of uh modules in the offering tool and me and Chuck both have high hopes of kind of a review tool or kind of more functionality in the offering tool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a review tool would be fantastic. Um, most review tools we've tried <laughs> with, with our clients hit one of two brick walls. The first brick wall is normally their IT restrictions. They can't access it. Um, and the second brick wall is, is like a usability wall where people generally just prefer to take a screenshot and put it in PowerPoint and then tell you what's wrong with that screen. Um, so I think if, if a, re a review tool was developed that, that you know, uh, was inbuilt as part of the authoring tool, that'd be fantastic. Um, or, or at least, you know, worked with it. Um, and also was at a level where literally you could just draw on something and say, I don't like this or this is wrong. I think that would be absolutely fun, fantastic in that sense. It's um, Yeah, that would be a good one. The other element that's big to us is translations. Um, and although we've, we've streamlined our process um, for translating courses, so generally we most of the courses, probably three-quarters or more of our courses that we produce are translated into eight, ten, even 20-plus languages. The great thing about Adapt is if you, if you know that's happening, and generally, we assume that even if somebody comes and says to us it's in English or this language only, um, you can prep for that. You can be ready for it. And when it comes to translation time, it can be almost as easy as, you know, export. Here you go, translators. And thank you very much. Import. What's, we're obviously doing that at a framework level, um, which is no problem to developers in here. But what would be great is if there's any kind of translation uh, support. It doesn't even need to be, you know, you know, even if that export import was part of the authoring tool in future, um, doesn't need to be anything complex. That would just just help. I think on smaller occasions and also people using the tool 
who perhaps have gained a little bit of confidence producing courses would then be able to get those courses out in different languages. It just increases inclusion. You know, the reach becomes much more if you can put it out in different languages. Right. I just want to clarify. Uh, it sounds like you folks are indeed using the, the framework grunt translate commands. Is that Yes, true? that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. So we, you know, we've worked with, with a couple of uh, translation companies for years um, and they've become so used to uh, just taking either the JSON or the CSV export. Um, it, they have automated systems. They run it through. It does some matches. People check it, comes back to us. You run Grunt Translate import, make sure everything's okay, update any assets for specific languages and fantastic. Cool. I think that kind of wraps up the show. Uh, do you have any shout outs you want to do? No, it's just, it's been, it's, uh, no, it's been really good to, to get on and talk. Like I say, Ad I mean, I've, I've worked with Adapt beyond uh, my role at Block um, and I've always enjoyed it. I think it's a great uh, concept. It's a, it's a great idea. I'm glad it's still going. I think it's really good that, that it's, it's got an involvement of more than just one company, if that makes sense. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and obviously here it's benefiting us greatly here. Um, it's nice to be able to talk about it. It's nice to be able to publicize it. I think it doesn't get enough airtime sometimes. Uh, it's often used lots. So I've come across other companies using it, but branding it differently. And they don't make it very clear they're using Adapt, which is fine. But the trouble is, is that then the end client doesn't understand it's an Adapt, you know, and what a great framework that they've t chosen to take on. Um, yeah, so no, it's great. Thank you for, for having me on. It's been, been good fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Ben Sharp, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.